I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 121. We're studying the Psalms this summer, and I challenged you last week, take the Psalm we study on Sunday and pull it out into the week. Meditate on it. Maybe you'd write one or two of the verses that that God uh, impresses upon your heart and you'd put it on a little uh, three by five card and stick it on your mirror at home or a sticky note on your desk or uh, maybe even on the dash of your car somewhere, maybe the lock screen of your phone, somewhere where you're going to see it every day and be challenged uh, to think about it and to meditate on it and to pray through it. And we'll talk about that a little bit this morning again with with this psalm. What's an idea maybe that you could pray through this psalm this week and and take it out into the week? Um, But since we've already read the text a couple times through the video and I read it to you, let me pray. And then uh, we're going to jump right into Psalm 121. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace to me and to us through him. Um. Lord, thanks that you're a keeper, that you watch over us, you guard us, protect us, you care for and about us. Remind us of that this morning. Remind us of that throughout the week this week. Holy Spirit, I I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Uh, He would take your word and twist it, or he would simply cause us um, to not take the time 
uh, to study it and to memorize it and to think through it. But instead, would you impress it on our hearts today and on our minds? Teach us, remind us of the truth and of your love for us and your protection over us. And teach us this morning, I pray. Let us leave changed and more like Jesus. Let us look to him for our help. I pray all this in his name, our helper. Amen. Well, the psalm we're looking at this morning is Psalm 121. And it's part of a group of psalms uh, from Psalm 120 to 134 is this group of psalms that in everyone in the Hebrew, uh, in the original text, and you'll see it in your text this morning, there's a couple different ways it gets translated, but in the ESV it says, a song of ascents. Do you see that? A song of ascents, it says right at the beginning. And it's also called these, these 15 psalms from 120 to 134, sometimes called the pilgrim psalms or the pilgrimage songs. And, and the, the reason it's called ascents, the word that's translated ascents means to go up. And there's different opinions on what this meant. Like how, how were these songs, these psalms, how were they used by God's people uh, back in the day when they were originally written? And there's a few different ideas. Some say, well, maybe they, uh, some believe they sang them on their way back to Jerusalem after being in exile in Babylonia and Assyria. And it was the ascent, it was their going back up to Jerusalem. That's one possibility. Um, so some take it that way. Others uh, take it to, to, re- to refer to the actual temple steps when the, pe- when the people would come and make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And they were, there were this huge set of steps uh, up the temple. I mean, it it'd go to the, the roof here. You can go stand on them today. And you, you walk up these steps and... Some think that's what it is, the songs of ascent, and they'd sing them on the steps of the temple. That's possible. Um, I think most likely, though, it's referred to the total ascent to Jerusalem and to the mountain when, when the people to Mount Zion, when people would come to worship and come to Jerusalem and make their pilgrimages there, they would sing some of these songs. And, and one of the, and you know what, I, I kind of think, have you ever been on a, you ever been camping or anything like that with your, with your family or, or maybe at a camp and you sing songs and sometimes when you sing, usually if you're going to sing songs, you don't, you don't sing them like maybe the monks would sing them, right? Like, I lift my eyes up. I mean, you're not going to sing it like that while you're walking, right? It's going to be like, I've been, no, but I've been told, you know, you're singing the songs and you're marching along. And I think that's probably how they would have sung these songs, really upbeat. I mean, they're going to worship. And what you're going to see in this song this morning, in Psalm 121, is it's really a call and answer, I think. The first two verses, now maybe the psalmist, when he wrote it, he's writing it introspectively, but I'm just talking to how the people sang it. I think somebody would have probably sang the first two verses, and then everybody else might have sung the last uh, six. You know, the first one, where does my help come from? My uh, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? And then the rest of them, excuse me, two through eight. So the last seven, everybody else, or he would say, my, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Then starting in verse three, uh, the one, behold, the one who keeps you will not slumber. He, he will not let your foot be moved. The one who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And they're singing it back and forth to each other, I think. I might be wrong. That's just, that's just how I, I wonder if that's how it happened. But it's clearly a joyful song. This one would have been sung, I think, with joy because of the reminder. And, and Psalm 121, then, is one of these songs of ascent, sung on the pilgrimage, I believe, to Jerusalem. And it's a common one. You've probably heard many of these verses before, haven't you? I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? 
And you know, the, the reason I think this one gets quoted so much is because while it was sung on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, really it's, it's, it refers to the pilgrimage of life, doesn't it? And following the Lord Jesus, and I, I lift my eyes up to the hills, where does my help come from? It's, it's not just this journey to Jerusalem, it's not a physical journey, it's a spiritual journey. It's you following Jesus, following the Lord. Do you ever have those times, and we're going to talk about it this morning, when you just ask me, where, where do I get help with this? I feel surrounded on all sides. Where does my help come from? And this psalm reminds you, man, your help comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord, the maker of the hills, the maker of heaven and earth. And that's where we're headed this morning. Now, I mentioned that spiritual journey piece, and I would, I've would i kind of dropped some hints at this before, but coming this fall, into the fall, and then into the new year, uh, we're going to have an opportunity really to go on a, a spiritual journey together as a church family. As uh, you know, many of you were part of uh, some work that we started last summer already uh, as we looked at our facility and said, what are some things we can do to make uh, this is the best tool we have for ministry? How do we make it function better? And maybe you're wondering, what's happening with that? Well, we've had a team together working with the design builder for the last uh, about five, six months now. And now we've, uh, we've been talking even this week with some help from, we're part of the Evangelical Free Church, which is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we had a guy from Minneapolis come and help us think through, uh, just talk to us a little bit, give us some advice of how they might be able to help us if we'd like them to with, with raising some of the, the funds for something like that. But I just want to tell you all of that, hopefully in the fall, we're going to be able to reveal some, some plans for you. And then into the new year, start to look at, at what, what God has maybe in store for us. And as you think about it, I want you to already start thinking, maybe this psalm will remind you, it's not just a journey uh, to, to build something cool or to do anything that. Listen, we're going on a journey together spiritually. And some of you have been part of churches where you've, has happened before, or you were here when this happened originally. And, and you need to know it's going to be I'm really excited about it. It's going to be an exciting time in our church. And uh, maybe you would prepare yourself now by memorizing some psalms and praying through the psalms this summer. But know that that's coming. And maybe this psalm will come back up when we hit that journey. But let's get into the text. Verse 1, the psalmist writes, he says, I lift, my eyes to the, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Now, first, when you see this, I lift, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Remember, when they're singing this, they're singing it on the way to Jerusalem. So maybe he's looking to the hills and they're making pilgrimage. They didn't, they didn't all hop in the bus or hop in the minivan or anything like that. They're, they're hiking in the hills. And this ascent from, for some of them who would have maybe especially from uh, the east, from Jordan and other places, as they ascend to Jerusalem, it's about a 4,000-foot climb up to Jerusalem. And so they're ascending the hills. And where does my help come from? I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Well, I wonder, as I first look at that, what, what are the hills? Why, why is he looking to the hills? You ever wonder that? When you hear this? I mean, we, we sang a couple songs earlier that referenced this psalm. And, well, why, why are we looking to the hills? What's in the hills? Well, there's a couple things. Maybe, that maybe the hills are referring to, um, you know, David in Psalm 11, verse 1. He says, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say, how can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? And, and he's, he's like fleeing for refuge in the hills to his God. So maybe that's why they're looking to the hills and they're finding refuge there. But maybe it's, it's one of those where, do you know who would have hidden in the hills? Thieves and robbers and bandits. There would have been cover for them there. Wild animals and caves. I lift my eyes to the hills. Maybe it's not anticipation to find refuge in God. Maybe it's fear and anxiety. 
And the truth is, as we go on our journey of following Jesus, we face both of those things, don't we? Sometimes it's anticipation. Like, like I told you, I'm anticipating uh, that spiritual journey we're all going to take together. I'm excited about it. Some of you might look at that go, though and go, I look to the hills. How in the world is that going to happen? Where does our help come from? And it's fearful. Or maybe you're just facing something in life that's fearful right now. And you have great anxiety over it. Maybe even a little bit of depression over it and thinking about it. That's, that's part of life, though. And, and in some others think that the hills, Warren Wiersbe thinks that, that the hills might refer to uh, people who uh, the pagans would have had their deities on top of hills. And this is a likely possibility, too. And so I lift, lift my eyes to the hills. I see all these places where other people worship false gods. But where does my help come from? It doesn't come from these hills. No, my help comes from the Lord, right? That's what he says. But before we get there, let me ask you this. Where do you look for help? Where do you look for help? When, when you're facing trouble, and some of you have had a hard week. You've had a really hard week. Others of you have had a hard month or a hard year even. Or maybe you know something coming that's going to be tough. Where do you look for help? It's a good question to ask. Because the truth is we all look to something or to someone. What do you look for? What do you look to for help? Do you ever wonder, am I going to make it? Maybe you seek out help. Some people, they seek out help in their career. And instead of looking uh, to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, they look to their career to find fulfillment and, and all of those things. And I'm going to climb the ladder. I'm not climbing the hill to Jerusalem. I'm climbing the ladder to the job I want. And we find our, our help in our career. Others, uh, maybe it's just having a big enough nest egg in the bank. Well, I find my help in my pocketbook. <laughs> that way I know when bad things come, I'm going to be okay. When the economy crashes, I'm going to make it. Where, where do you find your help? Where do you look? In times of trouble and anxiety, where's the first place you look? And by the way, be careful as we list some of these about criticizing where other people find their help. Because the truth is we all have these things where we find our help in something that isn't Jesus. I have them and you have them, don't we? So be quick not, not to criticize someone else, but to examine your own heart. Where do you find help? Maybe it's in food. Some people find it in food. Some people find it in, in all sorts of other addictions. Sexual addictions, alcohol, drugs. Is it in a person? Are you codependent on a family member or a child or a spouse? And that's where you always find your help. And man, if they disappeared, I'd be in trouble. And that's where you've rooted your identity. Do you find your help, students, and your comfort in getting enough likes on your pictures on Instagram? It's a real thing, isn't it? You put a picture on Instagram. I hope people like it. I hope they do. I'm going to give them a duck face and I'm going to hope I get a lot of likes, right? Where do you find your help? Where do you look for your help? So like I said, the psalmist here is either full of anticipation. I think more likely though, he might be full of anxiety as he writes this. Where does my help come from? Where do you look for help? Now notice where his mind goes right away when he looks for help. Where his mind goes right away. And let me, by the way, let me say this too. Well, I'll wait. I'll wait and say that. Um, look at verse 2. Look right where his thoughts immediately go. Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? Then he reminds himself, my help comes from the Lord 
the maker of the hills, the one who made the heavens and the earth. When you find yourself anxious, where does your mind go? See, Paul told us in Philippians, we studied this last summer, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then Paul gives us some results of that. He says in verse 7 of chapter 4 in Philippians, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some translations say, use the word we use here, and will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And you know, this only happens as you learn to delight in God's word. The only way your mind and my mind is going to go directly when I face trouble to the Lord is if I've been spending time with him and delighting in his word, like we talked about in Psalm 1 last week. When I delight in the law of the Lord. Because here's the deal. For me, sometimes when I face trouble, if I haven't been in the word that week, or maybe it's been a drought for a few weeks, and my, I'm going to be honest with you, there's times where, where I get into a drought, and sometimes the only time, I'm going to confess this to you, it's not right, but it's true, where the only time I'm in the word is when I'm studying for a Sunday morning. And I got to tell you, it's just dry. And I got to be in the word on my own, studying it on my own, so it, it impacts my heart. And those times when it's dry, yeah, it, it had been on my lips maybe on a Sunday, but in the middle of the week and trouble hits, guess what? My eyes don't go to the Lord. They go to, okay, how am I going to do this? But when my mind has been in the word and my heart has been in the word and my nose has been in the book, <laughs> then you know where my mind goes right away? It's like the psalmist. No, nope, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's going to help me through it. He will. He's my helper. He's my keeper. So let me ask you, did you spend time delighting in God's word this week? Did you? I hope you did. And if not, then maybe this week you'll do it. Here's, here's what I did. I'll, I'll give you, here's, here's something maybe you could do. Here's what I did with Psalm 1 last week. Every morning I get up and the first thing I do when I get up a lot of times is I'll, I'll journal. I'll sit down. I've got a little uh, office we've set up in the basement or uh, lately it's been nice out. So I'll sit on the porch and uh, with my iPad and I journal on there. And, and one of the things I've been doing each morning as I close out my journal is I've been from memory as best I can typing out Psalm 1 this week. And so I'm just trying to memorize it. So here you can, I'm going to, I'm going to try it for you. We'll see how I did. Sound good? So here was Psalm one last week. Here's where my mind's been thinking last week. Um, Now I got to remember how it starts. (laughs) Blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, verse two, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, but the wicked are not so. But they're like, they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the wicked, the way of the wicked will perish. Amen? Hey, I did it. I didn't get it right every time. It takes time, and I'll probably get it wrong again this week as I try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try with Psalm 121 now this week, and then go back to Psalm 1 once in a while. What are you doing? Are you delighting in God's word? You need to know it. This is a challenge for me too, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try hard to do this. Will you do it with me? Meditate on God's word. Get in it every day, just through the Psalms. Um, one way you might do it, I came across the CD, that song we sang this morning, uh, Psalm 121. It's on this CD by a group called The Corner Room. 
And it's called Psalm Songs. And five of the psalms that we're studying this summer are actually on this CD and this album. And you can find it on Spotify or Apple Music or at that website. And uh, at least five of the ones. And maybe you'd put that on, on play and you'd listen to that on your way to work in the morning. And maybe through music, that would help you memorize God's word and get it into your head and get it into your heart. So that when trouble hits, the Holy Spirit can direct your mind and go, hey, right there, remember that? Uh, your help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You're going to be okay. He's your keeper. But maybe that's an idea for you is to check out uh, that CD this week. Now I say that, and the truth is that many of us struggle with anxiety. And some struggle with, with depression. And, and you're like, Josh, I want to do that. But I, I open up God's word and I read it. And the season of life I'm in or whatever, I don't know what it is, but I read it and it's just dry. And yeah, I agree with it, but my soul is heavy. We're going to be in Psalm 42 in a couple weeks where the psalmist says, Oh, so my soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so trodden down? And, And the truth is that some of us struggle with this in big ways, with anticipation, with dread. But remember, your help is from the Lord. And, and some, I think, and I've been in this boat at different times in the past, especially when I was in college. You need to know what's, what's a great blessing is we live in a day and age where God does provide for us uh, in some ways medically for some. Now, I'm not, I'm not commending this to everyone. But you need to know I, I don't see a contradiction in God's word for somebody who struggles chronically or has, or has faced a, a huge issue in their life. Um, and, and needs some help to get healed and to get their mind back on track and taking uh, some medication that would help with that. So if, now if, if you have your conscience won't allow you to do that, that's okay. We're not going to fight over that, right? But, but if you're like, I, I just don't know, I don't know. I, I'm just telling you from my opinion, it's okay. I mean, when you, God's given us wisdom and insight into some of those things, into how our body and our brain function. I mean, when you skin your knee, and you get an infection, God's also given insight to give you erythromycin, right? So you can go take that and, and it'll heal up the infection. Now there's still some work you got to do, right? You got you to rest, you got to bandage the knee, you got to clean out the wound. There's still work for you to do, but, but that's helping to heal you. And I think it's the same thing with some of these, these medications. So, and I just say this because I know there's a handful of you have talked to me and you struggle with that. Uh, now, there's still work for you to do. There's still counseling that you ought to seek out. There's still getting your nose in God's word. But I think that is something that may help you uh, if you're struggling with that. And again, I don't commend it for everyone. Um, but I just say that to those of you maybe who are burdened by that and you wonder, where. well, maybe that's part of how God's going to provide help for you. Anyway, he goes on and he says, my help, he tells himself, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know, I I want to remind you that Jesus is the source of all true help. Jesus is the source of all true help. Did you know that? He is. The Lord is the source of all true help. My help comes from who? Help me out. My help comes from? I've got a couple of you. My help comes from? The Lord, who made heaven and earth. Colossians tells us that Jesus is the one who created all things. Through him, all things were created in Colossians 1. Jesus is the source of all true help. His little brother James writes, uh, every good and perfect gift comes down from where? From above, from the Lord. Every good and perfect gift. So ultimately, any source of good help, true help, comes from God. 
Now you're like, yeah, but somebody told me something. That's what helped me. Yeah, but who gave them that knowledge? God did. And the Holy Spirit works through them to help you. All your help ultimately comes from the Lord. Do you praise him for that? The maker of heaven and earth. Who made heaven and earth. In other words, God's power is universal and unbound. There's no one who can help you more than the one who created all things and who created you and your life. No one can help you more. He knows you better than you know yourself. The maker of heaven and earth. Beginning in verse 3, then, we start to see how God is our helper and our protector. Remember I told you, I think, if, as they sung this, it was probably call and answer. And so somebody sang verses 1 and 2, and then everybody else re- replied with, with verses 3 through 8. And what you're going to see here, well, let me just read verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He calls back to him. He who keeps you will not slumber. That word keeps is going to show up over and over and over now for the next six verses. It's going to show up six times, in fact. And this idea of he keeps you, uh, the word keep or keeper, it, it means that he watches over you. He guards you. He protects you. He cares for you. Your translation might use any one of, of those uh, things in there if you're not reading from the ESV. To, he watches over you. He guards you. He protects you. He cares for you. All those are synonymous with this idea of, of Jesus, of God, being your keeper. Your keeper. He holds on to you. He watches over you. And what you're going to see now as we, we unpack the rest of this psalm is, is two things. The first is this, that Jesus keeps you today and along the way. He keeps you today and along the way. He's your helper right now. It's not like, oh boy, I hope God helps me someday. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Today he's your helper. Today he is. See, the, the, the psalmist, they're, they're walking up and he's like, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I'm remembering that. And everybody else calls out. What do they say? Here it is. He will not let your foot be moved. That's good. That's good to know when you're on a journey. And you're hiking up a cliff. I don't know what's the cliff you're climbing this week in your life. But he won't let your foot be moved. And he who keeps you will not slumber. So if you need to take a break and you need to rest, guess what? God doesn't. He doesn't sleep. He's got your back. He's, he's for you. He's on your side. And he keeps you today and along the way. A lot of times I read this benediction at the end of our service. I'll read from, from Numbers uh, 6. I'll quote from it. Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and... What's the next line? Keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's the idea that, that he keeps you, not just today, not just right now, but as you're going. He's going to watch over you as you walk out the door today. He's going to watch, watch over me as I drive out of the parking lot. Now I might get hit by a truck. But he's got my soul. <laughs> he's got my soul. He's watching over me. Just because bad things happen doesn't mean that God isn't still in control. Right? He's still in control. Life is hard. This world is messed up because of our sin. It's our fault. It's not his. And the reality is, though, that he's still in control and he keeps us and he keeps us ultimately uh, from the evil one and from the one who would seek to ruin us and destroy us. And he keeps your soul and your foot won't be moved. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a hard climb. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a hard week or a hard year or a hard life, quite frankly. But it does mean 
God has a hold of you if you've trusted Jesus and turned to him. And he will have you forever. And he keeps you today and along the way. And it's just one step at a time. The Lord is a light unto my path, right? There's another psalm. It's this idea that it's a light, not like a flashlight, like a floodlight, seeing everything coming, but not to my path right here. So this step, and then this step, and then this step, and he keeps me along the way. He keeps you today and along the way. The Lord's your keeper. This idea of keep, by the way, the first time it's ever used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 2 when Adam is told to keep the garden, to tend to it. That tells me that there's this idea then of God tending to my life, of keeping me in the sense that he's, he's helping me grow to be more like Jesus. He's doing the work of maturing me. The Holy Spirit's at work in my life and changing me as I dwell on his word. They go on in verse 4, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. See, he doesn't just keep you as an individual. He keeps his people as a whole. In this case, Israel. In our case, our church. He keeps our church. He protects us. He watches over us. Do you know that? I believe that with my whole heart. I pray for that often. That the Holy Spirit would protect us from the enemy. Protect us from backbiting and disunity and things where we would go after one another over things that don't matter. But that he would keep us bound up together tightly in what does matter, which is Jesus and his word. And if we have differing opinions on other things, okay. We're different. That's going to happen. But I pray for God's protection that he would keep us together, keep us unified, that he'd protect the, uh, the glory of his gospel and of Jesus, that Jesus would look great in our church. See, he will neither slumber nor sleep. See, now, if, if it was they're looking up to the hills towards other gods on other hills, well, do you know that it's said over and over, the gods of the pagans, they would sometimes be asleep. Remember Elijah? When he calls and he faces the prophets of Baal, he's like, well, what's going on? Maybe Baal's asleep. He must be asleep, right? He must just be sleeping. Wake him up a little louder. And he prays once, douses the altar with water and fire comes down and proves God neither slumbers nor sleeps. Our God does not slumber or sleep. That's hard for us to get our mind around, but he doesn't. He's always watching you. The Lord is your keeper, verse 5. He's your shade on your right hand. Now, he neither slumbers nor sleeps, so he's over all. He's, he's got the view of everything. Kind of the song when you're a little kid, he's got the whole world. We're at in his hands, right? He's in charge. But not only this, he's your shade on your right hand. He's your shade. You know what the psalmist is saying there? He's saying, not only is he in charge and watching over everything, but he's right near to you. He's your shade on your right hand. He's your right-hand man, in a sense. He's right there with you in the midst of it. He loves you and cares for you. He's close to you. You're like, I don't know, Josh. I've had a hard week. My heart's broken. or whatever. You know, another promise of the psalmist? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He is your shade at your right hand. He is. He's there. Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high. Shade is a shelter, isn't it? From the scorching sun on a hot day. Were you out in the sun this week, this weekend? It was hot, man. I was like, what happened? It was, I was freezing earlier in the week and then I'm burning up. But if you weren't in the shade, you probably got fried this weekend. 
And even if you were, it was hot, but the shade was a great protector for you, wasn't it? Nearby to where you were. He who dwells in the shelter in the shade of the Most High, Psalm 91, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He goes on, verse 6, then in this Psalm, in 121, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Again, it's this idea of constant protection. You won't get scorched by the sun during the day. Now think about that for these people singing that on their way uh, through the wilderness, this rocky cliffs up the hill to Jerusalem. If you've been there, it gets hot. You've been in the desert, it gets hot, right? That's why it's called the desert. (laughs) It's hot. The sun won't scorch you by day, nor... The moon by night. What in the the moon? How does the moon hurt me? Well, there's a couple things. In in that time, if you're in a desert, at night, when the sun goes away, it gets very cold because the the air is so arid and dry. And so maybe they'll catch a cold at night because it would get get cold. So another moon by night. Others, there's this idea in in that time in in ancient literature and ancient times that uh, the moon really caused some weird things to happen. In fact, the Greek word where we get the word epileptic, uh, that means moonstruck. We still see it today in some of our words, uh, a lunatic, lunacy. This idea that the light of the moon would cause you to go crazy. (laughs) You're a loon. (laughs) Well, been hanging out in the moon. You've been struck by the moon. That, that's how they saw it. That's where the, the etymology of those words come from. Now, we know that that's not the case, right? That the moon doesn't, doesn't affect you in that way. But it's still this idea that God protects you day and night. He's always in control. He's always in control. And the Jewish people kept a lunar calendar. So maybe it's this idea too that, you know, they, the sun by day, but then each month was counted by the phases of the moon. So the moon by night. So it's not just day to day, it's month to month and year to year. And all the way through, God keeps you and protects you. Well, he not only keeps you just today though, and along the way, but you need to know the Lord keeps you forever. If you've turned to Jesus and trusted him, you've become a follower of Jesus. He keeps you forever. To quote squints, forever on the sandlot, right? He keeps you forever. He does. And that's a long time. Would you agree? Look, now the the, the attention shifts from the present to the future in verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Not only will God watch over you and keep you and protect you today, but in the future. Now, in light of other scriptures, we know when it says that he will keep you from all evil, that doesn't mean like this cushy, perfect life. Some people will preach that and they're wrong. Uh, it, It means that he will keep you in the future ultimately from the enemy, from the evil one who would destroy your soul. He'll keep you forever so that you'd be with Jesus for eternity. And when, when all the garbage of this earth is gone, um, but it doesn't mean you'll have a. It doesn't mean you'll be have a cushy life. But it'll be a well armed one. You've got the Lord as your shade on your right hand all the way through, to protect you and to keep you. One of the most comforting psalms in in all of the book of Psalms is Psalm twenty three, right? And what's what's it say in verse four? Even though I walk where, the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Behold, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, he anticipates going through the valley. He doesn't say, um, and when I see the valley, you take me on a big loop around it. 
That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? (laughs) No, he says, when I go through it, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, you're going to be there to protect me from whatever may come. You're going to keep me through it all. It's similar to what, what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. He says, not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you'll win souls. I'm reminded here too, this idea of Jesus when he says in, uh, I think it's John 10, that no one will snatch you out of my hand. I know my sheep. Uh, they know me. The Father's given them to me and no one's going to snatch them out of my hand. I've got them firmly. I've got them. I'm keeping them. Jude says uh, in verse 1, he talks about those who have been kept for Jesus Christ. And he ends his, his letter, Jude, one of Jesus' little brothers, again, at the end of his letter, he talks about Jesus keeping us. He's got, listen, if you trusted Jesus, he's got a hold of you. And there, if you've really trusted him, you're not getting out of his hand. You're not going to jump out. He's got you. And he's going to keep you forever. He's going to keep you forever. Look at the rest of the psalm. The the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from from when? Today, this time forth, and for how long? Forevermore. Forevermore. The whole thing, right? That that sounds to me like he's got you. Now, now some, and again, we can disagree on this, but I I think I'm, I'm right on this one. Some would say, well, you can lose your salvation. You can do something to get out of Jesus' hand. Well, here'd be my question. What did you do to get into his hand? Nothing. Did you do anything to earn your salvation if you've trusted Jesus? Nope. Can you do anything to lose it? Not if he's really got you, no. In fact, I, I feel like it's maybe a little prideful to say that I can do something so, so vile that Jesus' blood doesn't cover it. <laughs> It degrades the the worth of who he is, doesn't it? Again, you can disagree with me with that. We'll still be friends, but I'm just, I challenge you to think about that. He has you now, this time forth, and forever more. He knows you're going out and you're coming in. He knows everything you're going to do. Every place you're going. You can't hide from him. He will chase you down. He will. He loves you. He will guard you and protect you all the time. Let's return to the beginning of this psalm. What does he say at the beginning? I lift my eyes to the hills and what does he ask? Where does my help come from? And I asked you, where does your help come from? Where do you look for help? Have you looked to Jesus? Have you looked to, I mean, really, have you looked to him? Or have you just played the game and you've come to church your whole life, but you've never gotten on your knees and just really looked to him and repented of your sin and trusted him? Man, I would come into you. Repent, turn, trust Jesus, look to him. He is your help. He's your only source of help, the maker of heaven and earth. And he'll keep you from this time forth and forevermore. He will. He will. Let me pray. And then uh, we're going to take our offering. And as we take our offering, we're going to sing. And uh, during that first song, you can just remain seated. And then we'll stand together and continue singing after that. Um, But let me pray. And we'll take our offering. Father, thanks for Jesus. And thank you for your grace to us through him. You're very good to us, Lord. And we don't deserve it. 
And uh, the truth of the matter is that because of our sin, we face a lot of trials in this life and a lot of uh, really hard things. We, we look around like the psalmist does here and like those on the journey to Jerusalem and we ask, um, where, where does my help come from? I'm looking everywhere. I see all the enemies surrounding me. Where does my help come from? Holy Spirit, would you remind us this week that our help comes from you? Our help comes from the Lord, from Jesus. Remind us to look upon him. Uh, Lord, we will face trouble. We will face hard things. But ultimately, you're in control. And Lord, I pray for those who've maybe never trusted you. They've, they've never uh, really looked to you. I pray they might today for the first time. That today they would, would recognize that, that they have no source of help. That uh, like the wicked, the way of their life is one that's soon to perish. And to perish eternally, paying the penalty for their sin. Might you today, Holy Spirit, grab their hearts so that they would see that their only help, their only hope is in Jesus. And that today they would trust you. Father, thanks for Jesus. We pray all of this through him. Amen.